0: Our chance to celebrate together both the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Before we do that, the Lord gave me a word that I want to share with you. You may turn your Bibles with me to Luke. (coughs) In Luke chapter 20, beginning in verse 34. Now to give you a, a drop back... The Sadducees were a group of people who did not believe in the resurrection. Isn't that crazy? Really? Can you imagine a faith towards God that does not include your resurrection? Just stop and think about that. The boys and I thought about it not long ago. I think it was maybe this past week. We are talking about if Bosker, our dog, dies. And it, it, it's a little hard for us to comprehend. He's going to die and never live again. And I think Michael said to me, Dad, surely he's going to come back in the form of another dog or maybe a cat. Or I was like, nope. He's dead. What do you mean he's dead? He's dead. He's turned into dust, dirt. That's it. That's all he's got is a dog's life. That's it. It's over. You see, we have become as resurrected creatures. Already in our spirits, we've become so resurrected we can't comprehend a life with no resurrection. You're dead, and we as a church experienced that not long ago with Seth dying, and we put his body down into that grave. And we went home singing and eating salad together or potato salad, whatever we all had that evening as we didn't... It it wasn't like we buried the dog, was it? This is why. The Sadducees came to Jesus in verse 33. Well, before this, they gave Him a story. Verse 27. Now there came to him, to Jesus, some of the Sadducees who say that there is no resurrection. And they questioned him saying, Teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies, having a wife, and he is childless, they have no children, his brother should take the wife and raise up offspring to his brother. He should marry her and have a family. Now, there were seven brothers, and the first took a wife, And he died, no children. So his second brother married her, died, no children. And the third took her, in the same way all seven died, leaving no children. Finally the woman dies also, having had all seven brothers for her husband. Now here's the trick question. In the resurrection which we don't believe in. But Jesus, what do you say? In the resurrection. Therefore, which one's wife will she be? For all seven had her as a wife. What does Jesus say? Listen closely. What would you say? If someone asked you that question, would you know what to say? Well that's a pretty big problem, isn't it, in heaven for God? Now what's he gonna do? I mean on the earth it was quite easy. They died, and the next one had her and they died, but now they're all in heaven together. Now what to do? There's seven men and one wife. That seems problematic. Which one will have her? The first one or the last one? Or the middle one? Jesus said to them, The sons of this age marry. And are given in marriage. But those who are considered worthy to attain to that age. And the resurrection from the dead. Neither marry nor are given in marriage. There is no marriage in heaven. So if, you're, if your life on earth consists in your marriage relationship. You'll be disappointed in heaven. There will be no marriage. Husband and wife relationship there. Not with each other. For neither can they die anymore. For they are like angels. And are sons of God. Now listen closely. Being sons of the resurrection. We are children. I like how the King James says. Children of the resurrection. And the Lord took that word to me. And really spoke it deeply into my heart this past week and i pray that he'll speak it so deeply into every one of our hearts because it will be life changing now we may all agree no we're not going to die like a dog we know deep in our hearts we're going to live forever we will have a new body there will be seth is not dead he is alive and we know it That's why we go home singing and eating potato salad together because we know He's not dead. He is alive with Jesus. It's only this body that died. But here's the trick question that I get hung up on. Not the one of the Sadducees, but the one of my real life experiences do you and I allow our life experiences to be like the Sadducees seen marriage? We are so tied up, tied, connected to the death experiences in our life that the resurrected life pales. The strength the joy, the exuberant message of the resurrection is like a smoldering flame, a fire that's almost quenched. Have you seen a fire like that? You know what that fire does? There's one thing that a fire that is just hot embers and you begin to lay some wood on it, what does it really do? What does it do? Anyone? Anyone? Smolder and and smoke. It smokes like crazy, right? And it seems like you can move over here and the smoke comes in your eyes and then you move your chair over here and you're just like musical chairs moving around the fire because the smoke is just coming in your eyes and, and you just can't wait till... I mean, sometimes it's so bad you even get up and you blow on the fire to try to... Maybe you put a little... Uh, gasoline, but a little of that other stuff, you know. And you get a flame. You want a flame because a smoldering fire smokes too much. And this is exactly what a resurrected life that is almost quenched by the circumcised, the the circumcised, the, uh, the experiences of life, the circumstances of life, press it down and smolder it till it becomes just a smoking fire. And no one enjoys sitting around a smoking fire. That's how we find the disciples of Jesus in Luke chapter 24. It was the first day of the week. It was a Sunday morning, like now. And Jesus had just been crucified. Now they knew this truth well. Jesus had told them over and over and over again, I'm going to die. And every time that He told them He was going to die, He also told them He was going to resurrect. Every time. He never told them the story of His death without finishing with this truth. I'm going to resurrect on the third day. You'll see me. So get out of Jerusalem and go to Galilee. I'm going to be there waiting for you. I'll go before you. He had told them this truth over and over and over again. But where were they on the first day of the week? Where were they? Hiding in a dark room in Jerusalem. Interesting. And all... Dear sisters, in case you feel unimportant in the church of Jesus Christ or in your home or in life in general, never forget Peter and all those prominent men, disciples of Jesus that have had so many great awesome experiences with jesus up on the mountain jesus took him alone in the room and raised people from the dead no one else went in there with him except peter james and john guess where those men were they were hiding but who went to the tomb? the women jesus seen it fit to first reveal himself to the women in his life never forget that dear sisters And Jesus still does that many times. I don't know why He does. But He does. And as a man, I respect and honor that when I see Jesus doing it in my wife. A lot of men feel threatened perhaps and maybe that's our nature. But dear brothers and sisters, many times we men are still attached to the death. And... Are as Jesus called these men. In verse. Let's see. 25. Oh foolish men. And slow of heart to believe. That's a little how we men are. Foolish. And slow of heart. And Jesus has already appeared to you women. He's there. And he speaks with you. And I just want to give you that encouragement. You know the women who were there. The women who. Interestingly enough, supported Jesus. You can read that um, the the woman, let's see in which verse this is. I want to show you this to you because it, it really spoke to me and blessed me. Verse 10. Now there were Mary Magdalene. What did Jesus do for her? You remember her story? What did Jesus do for this woman? Seven demons. She was completely demon possessed. And Jesus cast them all out and she followed Jesus. And then there was Joanna. Do you remember who Joanna was? Who was Joanna? Can someone tell me? Huh? No. She was somebody's wife. Okay, turn your Bibles with me to chapter 8 of Luke in verse 3. And Joanna, the wife of Cusa. And Cusa was Herod's steward. That means he took care of Herod's money. He was his secretary, he was his steward of his house. He, he managed Herod, King Herod's affairs. And his wife, Joanna, was a woman. You know what she did with all that money? Herod's money, and this to me is just like God. God loves to take a wicked king's money. What do I hear? Okay. Uh, A a, a wicked king's money, and through his wife, support Jesus. Isn't that interesting? Look what she says. And Joanna, the wife of Cusa, Herod's steward, and Susanna, and many others, were contributing to Jesus' support out of their private means. Now they weren't taking Herod's money. They weren't stealing it. But Herod was paying Cusa a, probably a lot of money. To take care of his all of his palace and all of his affairs. And here's Joanna. Cusa's wife. And out of the, their abundance she supports Jesus. All throughout his ministry. And she is one of the first women at the grave meeting Jesus. Quite interesting, yeah? I find it so. And the men, where are the men? Well, you'll find them in verse 11. And these, oh, the mother of James also, and also the other women were telling these things to the apostles. And these words appeared to them As nonsense. (sighs) They didn't believe the women. Oh, come on, wife. Come on, woman. That's nonsense. Is that how we men are sometimes? Our wives experience Jesus and we see it as nonsense. Wait, these guys weren't heathens. This was Peter. This was James and John. This was Thomas and all of the others. They would not believe them. But Peter arose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in, and he saw the linen wrappings only, and he went away to his home, marveling at that, what had happened. And then behold, two of them were on this road going to this city called Emmaus. And Emmaus was seven miles from Jerusalem. Have you ever walked seven miles in a day? Well, that's how far they were walking. They were going to a mass. And they were talking about all these things that happened. And we know the story, right? All of a sudden, another man was there with them. Maybe he came out and there was a Y in the road. And he started walking with them. And in verse 18, And one of them named Cleopas answered and said to him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem and unaware of the things which have happened here in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, The things about Jesus the Nazarene, who was a prophet mighty in deed and word in the sight of God and all the people. And how the chief priests, our rulers, delivered him up to sentence of death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel Indeed, besides all this, it is the third day since these things happened. But also some women among us amazed us when they were at the tomb early in the morning and did not find His body. They came saying that they had also seen a vision. They didn't believe it was real angels. It was just a vision they seen. They were foolish and slow of heart. A vision of angels who said that He was alive. And some of us, some of those who were with us, went to the tomb and found it, just exactly as the women also had said, but Him they did not see. And He said to them, O foolish men, slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary for Christ to suffer these things and to enter into His glory? To suffer and then enter. Do you get the resurrection message? To suffer, but then enter Into His glory. That's the resurrection. Suffering, but then entering into His glory. And beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, He explained to them the things concerning Himself in all the scriptures. And they approached the village where they were going. And He acted as though He would go farther. And they urged Him, saying, Stay with us. We're just getting toward evening. Maybe it was five or six o'clock in the evening. And they didn't have cars with headlights. They were walking. And they didn't have flashlights. They would have had to you know, start maybe a torch or something. And it doesn't seem like they could do that very well. It was getting night. Come on, Jesus. You stranger, stay with us. And he went in to stay with them. And it came about that when he had reclined at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it. And breaking it, he began giving it to them. And their eyes were opened. And they recognized him. And then he was gone. He vanished from their sight. And they said to one another, were not our hearts burning within us while he was speaking to us on the road, while he was explaining the scriptures to us? I used to think that that was a good thing. Having a heart, it's not smoldering anymore. Now it's burning. And it is a good thing. That when Jesus speaks to you and I, even while we are foolish and slow of heart to believe what He said and what He is saying, yet our hearts are burning. There's life and it's not smoldering anymore. My heart is burning. But I'm still not a son of the resurrection. Don't believe in it yet. I'm still disappointed that He died. And some of our women, they've seen visions. My wife has seen a vision of angels. Yeah, it's nonsense. It's dead. we I was hoping for this, but it's dead. It's dead. It's over. I was still hoping, but it's over. And what you're telling me, wife, what you're telling me, sister, the faith you have? Nonsense. Ha, nonsense. Maybe you've seen a vision. That's a good thing. Yet my heart's burning. But we need more than a burning heart, dear brothers and sisters. When we hear the words of Jesus, we need more than a burning heart. It's not good enough. We need to become a child of the resurrection. And I will show you, that's what they became. Look what happened. Jesus blessed them, opened their eyes, And they knew it was Him. No more vision. This is Jesus. He's alive. And they recognized the burning heart. And their heart was burning alright. It was probably dark by now. You know what they did? Someone tell me what they did. Did they stay there for the night? Seven miles! All the way back to Jerusalem. I mean, they must have hoofed it. I can imagine those guys running like Elijah... Who outran a horse and a chariot. I mean, just all they had. These guys must have just given it all. They wanted to get back to Jerusalem as quickly as possible. I mean, I love to run, you guys know that. And, but running? Seven miles? In an hour? <laughs> nah, no, not me. I mean, maybe in an hour, maybe two hours? Maybe an hour and a half? Seven miles in an hour? You've got to really be clipping it. I used to do that when I was young maybe, but can you imagine running seven miles, getting back to Jerusalem? They arose that very hour, returned to Jerusalem, and gathered together, found the eleven gathered together and those who were with them. Oh, there was a buzz going on. They were excited. Their hearts were burning, saying, The Lord has really risen. And oh, he showed himself to Peter. Somewhere Peter met him. Don't know, it doesn't tell us where. But he showed himself to Peter. So Peter got it. And they began to relate their experiences on the road and how he was recognized by them in the breaking of bread. And while they were talking, someone shows up. Who is it? Jesus. Wouldn't that be amazing? if Jesus showed up right now. I imagine everything just got quiet. He himself stood in their midst. But they were startled and frightened. Why were they scared? Who did they think they were seeing? Jesus? Jesus? No. Some ghost. Seriously, man? Come on, Jesus just showed up, I don't know, two hours ago. And now here He is, and you still don't believe it. You think He's a ghost. And you're freaking out. You're frightened. That, that word's a strong, scary word. It means you're completely freaking out frightened they thought they were seeing a spirit and he says why are you troubled why are you troubled and why do doubts arise in your hearts see my hands see the nail holes here he must have pulled up his shirt look at my side You see the scar? That's where the soldier put his spear up into me. Come here. Touch me. A spirit doesn't have flesh and bones like I do. You can touch me. Who do you think was the first to get up and actually go touch him? And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still could not believe it for joy, and we're marveling. He said, I'm hungry. have you anything to eat? Why how practical Jesus was, right? I'm hungry. So they gave him a piece of broiled fish, the leftovers of dinner. It was pretty late by now, remember? It was pretty late. And he took it. And he ate. Right in front of them. Now he said to them, these are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. I want you to think about this. All the things that he spoke about himself that are written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms, they're all fulfilled. I'm telling you, it's happening right now in your life. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. There's a big difference in reading the scriptures or understanding the scriptures. And he said to them, thus it is written that Christ should suffer and rise again from the dead the third day. And that repentance for forgiveness of sins be should be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of of these things. And behold, I'm sending forth the promise of my Father upon you. And, but you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And look at the end. And they returned to Jerusalem with great joy. No more slow of heart. No more doubt arising in their hearts. No more freaking out. No more troubled joy. Slow of heart, foolish, troubled, and all kinds of doubts arising in your heart. Replaced with just one word. Joy. Joy. Has that been done in your life, dear brother, sister? In the resurrected life of Jesus. In whatever circumstance that we walk through. This experience must happen. For you and I. To truly experience Jesus. The resurrected Jesus. The glorified one. And now His life to be lived in us. Like it tells us in Romans chapter 8. In Romans chapter 8 verse 11. But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also Give life, resurrected life. Where? Where would this resurrected life be? In the fantasy of your mind? Where? In your body. In your body. Your whole being will be filled with this resurrected life. Give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who indwells you. Oh, my dear brothers and sisters, I realized in my life, I needed this. I needed this reality. I need it every day. But I need to be able to experience this in all those areas in my life where there's still foolishness and slowness of heart to experience in my life Everything the prophets, Moses, the prophets and the Psalms wrote about. And I can read the prophets and I can read the law of Moses and I can read the Psalms and it just be a morning devotions. But when it becomes fulfilled in my life and there's a death and there already is a resurrection. Jesus has risen out of that experience already for you and I, but I'm still locked in the room. Troubled, fearful, walking down the road, through the road of life, during the day, troubled about it, fearful, thinking what my wife is sensing and thinking is a... Maybe nonsense is too strong of a word, maybe I wouldn't tell her that, but in my heart, nonsense. Nonsense. And then even when Jesus speaks... Perhaps there's there's that morning, there's that night in the quietness of your heart. You do hear His voice. He's speaking words to you. And it causes your heart to burn. And yet, and yet you just can't quite believe it's possible for you to really put the past life behind you or the experience behind you and follow Jesus in His resurrected life. Jesus wasn't coming back to live the same life that He lived be- with them before. No. A whole new life was happening here. He wasn't coming back that they could follow Him every day and hang out with Him. And No. He was leading them for the rest of their life on the earth. And coming to them through the form and the power of the Holy Spirit. Just like He is with you and I. And it is of utmost necessity. It is the way of Jesus in your life and in my life to give us this experience. To replace all of those slow of heartness, all that foolishness, all that reasoning, those doubts and troubled thoughts that arise in our hearts from life experiences and experience only one thing in it, joy. Joy. It's possible, you know. It's a life that the Holy Spirit now gives to us. Are you ready for that? Are you ready to celebrate it? Let's do so. Oh, Father in heaven, we come to you in the name of Jesus and thank you for your resurrected life. No more troubled, slow hearts. Not even burning hearts. But, oh, Lord, children of the resurrection, that's how we come with your resurrected Holy Spirit in our lives, giving us your joy, so we come to celebrate with joy. In Jesus' name, amen.